0: Welcome to the One Hope Church podcast, where we believe Jesus is our one hope for a better life and a better world. We hope this message encourages you. Well, good morning, One Hope. I'll tell you, it's really good to see that you all survived Thanksgiving. Uh, I have been looking on Facebook and I see that we have a lot of good cooks out here And we have a lot of people that had a lot of people in their home I was just talking with some, well, several of you Somebody said there was 50 some in their house having food And some said 25 and oh my goodness, isn't it a wonderful time of the year? <laughs> yes, yes Well, um, I just want to say it is good to be here now uh this platform this stage feels pretty familiar to me however uh it would i would feel a whole lot more comfortable actually if i would have a microphone in my hand and or i could be behind a keyboard Uh, but this little place where i'm up here with notes and i'm going to be talking to you for the next hour and a half is a little uncomfortable for me and it might be a little uncomfortable for you but we're going to be in this uh, we're going to just share a little bit Um, I am so thankful actually to be up here and thank you pastor Scott for giving me this opportunity and some point I'm going to get back at you Um, but God has been so so very very faithful and I am so glad I have the opportunity, maybe not to fit into a series, um, which are really wonderful, and I love that, uh, but I get to just maybe to talk with you about where I am in my life, and that, to be perfectly honest with you, this is going of be like a therapy session for me. <laughs> I, I thought about putting a sofa up here, me just laying down and talking, but uh, I, that's not where I'm going to go either, but... Uh, but we're going to share some of God's truth together. And as you can see, I'm going to be talking about time today. Actually, this is the first Sunday in Advent. And it's just, here we are. And the time seems to go by so quickly. And we're almost at the end of the year. But let's jump into, into this. I know there are some out here I, that I see some very familiar faces. Um, but there are a lot of people that I do not know and you probably do not know me or you do not know Gail and so I thought it might be fun to take a little trip down memory lane so how about we fasten our seat belts and we place our tray tables in the upright and locked position and we get ready for maybe a little bumpy ride here okay in 1994 There we go. In 1994, Gail and I—I'm going to stick with my script right here because we're going to— In 1994, Gail and I and Devin packed up all our worldly possessions and left Sacramento, California, for First Wesleyan Church in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Amen. Gail and I quickly fell in love with the church, the staff, and the congregation. We had wonderful services and productions, and several years later, we had the opportunity to in- and ha- put input uh, for a new worship center, which has only become more beautiful with each passing year. And may I go off script right here to say, Steve Meggs and your staff, you have kept this place so beautiful. And <laughs> absolutely, absolutely, okay. And speaking of staff, who would have ever thought we would have had the opportunity to work with this amazing youth pastor? (laughs) Now we have lost track of him over the years, and I actually believe he was from another country, Uh, he probably went back or possibly he could be in jail, who knows? During these years, uh, there was a very influential gentleman who poured into our lives by the name of Reverend Bickmore. Every Monday morning, he would walk from office to office and talk about Sunday's service. He would encourage the staff and pray. One morning, he walked into my office, and after several minutes of conversation, stated that within five years, Gail and I would be on a college campus teaching young men and women how to worship the Lord we really did not know what to do with that statement or even know how that would be a possibility but you know he was pretty right on and approximately six years later uh, after 14 years of ministry here at First Wesleyan Church we found ourselves on the campus of Southern Wesleyan University our offices were located in a new facility, the Newton Hobson Chapel and Fine Arts Building, named in honor of Faith Hobson. Faith was a charter member of First Wesleyan Church, One Hope, uh, and I saw this sweet face every day I went to work. At Southern, I was the director of campus discipleship and chapel worship, and one of Gail's main responsibilities was, was directing university singers a traveling vocal ensemble that represented the university at churches, schools, chapels, and civic events. They became our family, and we did life together, and it was great. Uh, Through an amazing set of circumstances and miracles, too numerous to mention, university singers were given open doors to minister to men and women in uniform while going through basic training. One, which is one of the most difficult times of their lives emotionally, physically, and spiritually. In addition to bases in Southeast, Paris Island, the Marine Training Base in Beaufort, South Carolina, and Fort Benning Army Base in Columbus, Georgia, became regular invitations in our schedule. We traveled 45 times to those two bases alone, during mul- doing multiple services each time. We witnessed hundreds of men and women stand to say yes to Jesus in each service. And over the next few years, we received and answered hundreds of letters from troops asking for prayer and sharing deep personal wounds they had never shared with any other person. 2015 and 2017, university singers traveled to military bases in Germany and Italy, ministering to in churches, chapel services, and Department of Defense schools. On our last evening in Italy, we sang for Marines and their families and the American ambassador at the American Embassy in Rome. Behind us hung a USO banner with the motto that read, Every Moment Counts. At the conclusion of that evening, that banner was given to university singers in appreciation for their ministry. And it has served as a constant reminder of the truth of those words that every moment really does count. In the summer of 2021, the Lord made it clear to us that we were to leave Southern Wesleyan University and move back to Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We readied our house, put it on the market in October, and sold it in three days. That same month, we purchased a new home in Northport and moved our furniture and belongings there, here. However, we moved into a fifth wheel camper. We parked it at the edge of campus so that we could finish the last eight months of our contracts at Southern Wesleyan University, FYI. Gail and I are not campers. It was a long eight months, uh, but God was gracious, and we actually do look back on those days, or a couple of them, and laugh. (laughs) No, it's good. On June the 1st, we officially moved to Alabama. We have come full circle, and we kind of feel like um, the end, you know, the Lion King movie, when everybody's singing the circle of life, it feels like we have come back here, and now the journey has come to an end and we are starting this new journey. What is amazing to me um, in going through those slides is that I have basically shared with you the last 28 years of my life in five minutes and 37 seconds. Time goes so quickly. And as, there was a famous theologian, I don't know if you know him by the name of Steve Jobs, but one of the things that he said is, the most precious resource we have is time. And that is so, so true. Now, as a musician, I'm going to annoy you, but I grew up with this little instrument and it's probably as old as I am and you probably know what it is, it's a metronome. And because it's so old, It really doesn't keep good time (laughs) but I grew up with it and I can remember as being six and seven and eight years old having this on my piano and trying to play with it in time more vividly I remember those college years when I was in a studio sitting at a piano playing you hear how that's not steady it's driving me crazy Uh, but I can remember sitting at a a keyboard or a piano there and trying to play some of these classical pieces where you have to get so many notes into just one of those little beats and I can remember how difficult that was but time is so very important now we have come a long way from this metronome thank the Lord but when you come in here on church on sunday and you see bradley standing up here and singing in the worship team here and there's a keyboard over here and there's drums over here um, time is still very important and do you know how they stay you see these little black things that are in their ears they are not listening to the 23rd psalm you may think they are but they're not what they're hearing in their little ears is a and it keeps them all together because time is so very, very, very important. Uh, While we were at Southern, actually, uh, we have this wonderful thing called Planning Center, and it was part of my responsibility putting the chapel services together. And in Planning Center, you can go online and you can plan the service down to the seconds of time. We had two, two chapel services every week, and they were 50 minutes long. And those 50 minutes had to include announcements, it had to include the vocal worship, it had to include bumper videos going into a sermon and all these series, all this kind of wonderful, wonderful stuff. And so you would, we had 50 minutes because students had to be dismissed at the end of those 50 minutes to get to class. And so we would do all of that planning and uh, down to the the second, and then we would turn it over to a speaker who had absolutely no clue what time was. You know, and I can remember sitting on chairs going, okay, now should I walk up to the platform and release these students because they're going to get up and leave? Because time is so very, very important. We're living in one of the most beautiful, beautiful seasons of the year. We have just come through Thanksgiving, and we'll be soon preparing for Christmas. Actually, when you come in next week, this is going to be a beautiful, beautiful winter scene. I guess something, something like that. But we're be, being preparing for Christmas, and if it, your neighborhood is anything like my neighborhood, as soon as all of the extravagant Halloween beautiful decorations go down the christmas decorations go up as well Uh, we move so quickly from one season one season into another but now as we move into this christmas season i am just so reminded over and over again that not only is time important but when we look at our bibles in the old testament the last book of malachi we flip one page, and it's the birth of Christ. But between those two books in the Bible, there were 400 years of silence. 400 years where the Lord did not speak. The world was in silence. Now, I can't imagine that. Could you imagine for the next weeks coming to church there would be no worship team no bright lights no haze pastor Scott would get up here and say I got nothing we're waiting for the lord to you know and then we walk in christmas eve and we celebrate the birth can you imagine we we don't do well in silence we don't do well in waiting I just can't even begin to imagine what those 400 years of silence were like. Every time we come to this season, I am reminded of a passage in Galatians. I'm going to be sharing three different passages of uh, scripture with you regarding time but um, Galatians 4 4 through 7 you will see it on the screen back there already or if you want to use a bible in your pew back and if you can read those little words in there good Uh, but Galatians 4 4 through 7 says this but when the set time had fully come God sent his son born of a woman born under the law to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption to sonship because you are his sons god sent the spirit of his son into our hearts the spirit who calls out abba father so you are no longer slaves but god's child and since you are his child god has made you also an heir now this scripture is full of wonderful wonderful themes Uh, sonship adoption redemption Um, a child of god an heir and i'm gonna let all of that description that message go to pastor scott but the time the thing that i want to concentrate on today is when the set time had fully come and some versions say and i kind of like this better in the fullness of time now time is in god's hands what this says to me is that the universe is not random. There is a sovereign God. He is outside of time who can see the fullness of time. Life has meaning. There's a creator God who is up to something. And it's not random. And he sees the beginning to the very end. He sees Genesis, through revelation he sees our first breath to our last breath god is up to something and what that says is that there is great hope for us today especially in this world sometimes we can look around and we can say oh my goodness how things are changing what was right is now wrong what was wrong was now right and it's like where are we going but you know what even maybe in the silence where we don't hear God so strongly he is still working and he has a plan and he will carry it through from beginning to an end and do not mistake the silence of God for the absence of God because he's here did you hear that do not do not mistake the silence of God as the absence of God he is here and he is working But until that time, we're going to take one day at a time and one season at a time. You know, nowhere in scripture do I read anything about Jesus hurrying or Jesus running from point A to point B. But yet isn't that kind of the way we live our lives? We run from one thing to another. Yet here is Jesus, and in three years, he, in the span of three years, he was able to complete his mission here on earth. And yet, he had time to pray, and he had time to play with children. He had time to rest. He had time to take a nap on a boat. And all of the while, he was playing referee to these 12 disciples that were pretty clueless of what was going on. One of the most uh, poetic passages in scripture in the Old Testament, and that's where we're going to move next, is found in Ecclesiastes 1 through 8. And here the author, and it's typically said that the author is Solomon, so we're going to go with that today, and he was, you know, one of the very wisest mans. But he states that the universe has a flow and a regularity to it, Uh, that is out of human control. So let's look at Ecclesiastes 3, 1 through 8. There is a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build. A time to weep A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. Now, times and seasons are a regular part of our life. And these 28 statements, actually there are 14 pairs of actually polar opposites. Um, we see love and we hate. We see love, hate, plant, uproot, tear down, build. And we don't live in the extremes. For instance, like, farmers don't spend their whole lives planting. And they don't spend their whole lives harvesting. But most of their time is spent in the in-between stuff. They're preparing the ground. They're fertilizing the ground. They're weeding the plants. They're watering the plants. They do all that stuff. They don't live simply in the planting season. And that's with us today. Can you imagine living with someone who spoke constantly? Maybe some of you can. (laughs) But on the other street, can you imagine with someone who was completely silent? Well, that one not you know but we live in the middle and we try to find this balance between and we um, so that we can joyfully embrace all of life and the things that God gives us however we do know that life is uncertain and sometimes we will find ourselves in one of those extremes we will find ourselves in a season of mourning we may find ourselves in a season of searching Lord, where do you want me to go? Where do you want me to live? Where do you, who do you want me to marry? What job should I have? What house should I buy? What school should I attend? What, where, where do you want me? We find ourselves in those, those seasons. But when we walk with the Lord, it's so wonderful to know that we don't, even though we're in those seasons, we don't have to worry. Because he is in control. And things are going to turn out and we can still live in joyful anticipation of the next day and his faithfulness through it all. Also, time is an opportunity. Um, I don't know if you're familiar. I, I like a lot of movies. But one of the movies that I watch from time to time and I enjoy is Dead Poet Society. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's, it's a great movie. Robin Williams plays, he's a teacher in a private boys' school, and, he, and w- very early in the, in the movie, he gets all of these guys up, and he takes them down to this very dim, lit hallway, and they're standing in front of trophy cases, and it's where you know the trophies are, and there's pictures of students that have been there years and years ago, and they're probably gone. And Robin Williams says to these boys, what do you think they would say to you? If they had the opportunity to speak to you, what would they say? And these boys are standing there wide-eyed, and they're just looking around, and as he and Robin Williams walks behind them and says, carpe diem, seize the day. Carpe diem, seize the day. sometimes I wonder if God does that to us he puts us in this life and we see those that have gone before and he presents opportunities to us and I wonder if he stands behind us and says carpe diem seize the day seize that opportunity don't let it slip by it's just a thought. But we do know that wherever we are, whatever we're doing, God is watching and he is in control. Now, one of the last scriptures that I wanna share with you, and I'll I move into this with a little bit of fear and trepidation because it can come across pretty, ne- and I don't mean it to be negative. Let me set it up, I'll set it up for you. For the last 14 years, Gail and I have been on a college campus and we've been working with students from the ages of 19 basically through 25. They were the people that we enjoyed being with and do- doing life with. Moving back to Alabama and getting this little card in the mail that said like medicare or stuff like that and i'm going what is this who's applauding for that (laughs) this is like what is this okay and i i've told this story because it was just like it was just like a hit in the face to me um knowing i was going to move here i for the all of my life have been a member of a gym and so it's like, okay, I am going to be a member of a gym. When I, so I looked at several of the gyms here, what is closest, what, you know, where can I get to early in the morning uh, kind of thing. And so I found the gym, I walked in there and I was asking about joining the gym. And he said, oh, do you have a mm card? And I said, I do. And I said, you can be a member of our Silver Sneaker Club. <laughs> and I said, what? our silver sneaker club I said what (laughs) you know and he said yeah you don't have to pay anything for this because you have reached this age and we want you to stay healthy and all this kind of you can be well he kept talking about and I finally stopped him I said you know I enjoy this gift that you're giving me but please do not say silver sneaker one more time All right. so we had a very enjoyable conversation about that but, and along with that, this, this summer we, we took a trip to Paris and we, we were, knew we were going to be doing a lot of walking and Gail said, you need a new pair of tennis shoes. So we went and actually bought a pair, new pair of tennis shoes that to me was expensive and kind of, they're white and unfortunately they have this little silver streak around them and I have the hardest time putting them on because they're comfortable. I love them, but all I can think of is, you're the silver sneaker, but, but anyway. The last scripture that I want to look at is Psalm 90. And like I said, I go into this with some fear and trepidation. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. This is from one of Moses' prayer out of, out of the psalm. Um, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom do you know what i see time is a limited resource i can remember as a child going to my grandparents house and you we would they they were of course christians he was an old time pilgrim holiness pastor and you know there were all these phrases hung on the wall or pictures that kind of thing and i can remember seeing this little picture and it and it looked kind of scary because it was like a boat that was ready to capsize and it had children in it. But what was written on the bottom of it says, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last, which is true. But to me, that was scary. You know, it was a scary picture. Uh, but, we, but again, time is a, a very limited resource. And one of the first steps in making our life count, ironically enough, is counting our time. I have heard, well, th- did you know that the average life expectancy, this is, see, this is, uh, this is why I'm scared to go here. The average life expectancy of the American male is 76 years old. Ladies, for you, it's 80. Now, we should probably close in prayer and maybe no leave on that happy note no but I have uh, heard many many people say that you know in counting our days and being careful what we should do is when we reach a certain age for instance like say you're 66 and we know that 76 is you should get like 10 marbles and put them in a jar and then every year maybe on your birthday or maybe January 1 you take out one of those marbles And it's just a visual reminder that time is precious. And it really, really is. Uh, Coming here, I thought it was very interesting. It was the first time that we saw a baby dedication up here. And it was really, really wonderful. And Pastor Scott and Amber were up here, and they had this little jar with 18 marbles in it. Now, don't tell Pastor Scott this. But those of us that are a little bit older, yet you have those 18 marbles in that jar... But after those 18 marbles are up, you're going to get another jar with 45 more marbles in it. <laughs> because no matter, I never knew this, but once you're a parent, you are a parent for life. You know? And actually, some of those marbles after the 18 are the harder ones when they're out of, let me just put in a plug for Christian education. You know, we worked with students that grew up in the church, and now they're away from Parents, they're away from their youth pastor, they're away from their pastor. And I am so glad that I had the impact or input into some of their lives because they're all of a sudden deciding who am I? What do I want to do? Do I really believe what I've been told? You know, and they're experiencing life on their own for the first time. And It was so good to be in a college where there is prayer, there's chapel, that a professor will pray before class and he knows you by name and he really cares about you. That's a little tangent right there. But anyway, our lives, no matter how long they are, are brief and we are frail. Now, I don't want this to be like an e or kind of moment like oh i only have one more marble left you know you know that's not it at all i don't think god wants us to walk around and worry about that at all but he does want us to measure our days and to live our days to the full and he wants us to realize that life there is a limit to it and that we should grow in wisdom as we live our life because when we do that we will make wise decisions wisdom says it reveals God's actually God's pattern for us in life whether we're worshiping whether we're at work whether we're at rest whether we're with our families whether we're eating good food, whether we're seeing wonderful scapes, I mean, visual things, you know, God controls it all. He wants us to enjoy those things. What does wisdom say about worship? Worship needs to be a daily time with me and the Lord, an intimate time with me and the Lord, not just on a Sunday morning where we come together and sing songs and hear a message and feel good. No, it's so much more than that. It's being intimate with the God and creator who created me and knows me. What does it say? What does wisdom say about work? That we should do whatever our occupation is, whatever our job, our calling, um, our profession, that we should do our work as unto the Lord what does what does it say about rest we should take care of our bodies emotionally physically spiritually we should take time to restore and refresh what does wisdom say about family family is the number one priority after our relationship with the lord our spouse our children those 18 marvels that are in that jar What does it say about food? Wisdom says, Thanksgiving's coming. (laughs) Wisdom says, Thanksgiving is coming, but we shouldn't eat like Thanksgiving every day of our life. Wisdom saying that I can enjoy dessert, but probably not every day. What does wisdom say about stunning views? God has created a beautiful world. Do you have pictures in your mind of places that have just been overwhelming with beauty for me it's typically revolves around water and ocean and a sun coming up early in the morning one of the things that i will re- i'll never ever forget we were in hawaii and it was early in the morning it got out i was doing this walk above above on this rocky cliff the sun was just coming out coming over this beautiful blue green water and I'm hearing chanting and I see this little canoe coming around the corner in the bay and you know, the Hawaiians go and it's like oh my soul there is a God and it's so beautiful how I created this God wants all of these things to be part of our life And he wants us to make every moment count for him. We're coming to the end of 2022. How did we get here? Oh my goodness, it just goes so fastly, fast. And we're going to be facing a new year. We'll be making resolutions and all these kind of things. But... In all honesty, we none of us know what 2023 is going to hold for us or what season of life it's going to be. But one thing that I do know is that there is a God who knows the beginning and he knows the end and he is going to be with us through it all. You don't know how many times this past week that I have thought of Carly's testimony last week and how the Lord worked in our heart and life I am so thankful that we serve a God who knows us I am so thankful that we serve a God who searches after us and that he doesn't give up on us and that we are here for a purpose and that our lives aren't random but he knows us and he seeks after us he makes a way for us even when we can't see it even when we don't believe it he is at work in our hearts and he is at work in our lives God is not silent And when he is silent, he is still working. He's faithful. He's good. I hope you all have experienced that. And if you have not, today or over these next weeks as you share with family and you think about the end of a year going into a new year that you give your lives totally and completely over to the Lord who knows you better than you know yourself. He knows you from your first breath to what will be your last. And He loves you. Let me pray. Dear Jesus, we are so grateful for your love in our lives we are so thankful that you know us we are so thankful that you are in control i pray that for each person that is here that they would sense your presence in every season of their life whether It's a difficult season, whether it's a hard season, or whether it's a joyful season, or maybe it's somewhere in between. You are in control, and we acknowledge that, and we love you. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this message from One Hope Church. If you would like to hear more, check out our website at ouronehope.com for message archives, service times, and more information on how you can get connected. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon.